Well, I, I told the Bible class that I was really sick this weekend, and um, I only told them that just to get sympathy, because <laughs> we were starting a new class, and I didn't know if, uh, if it's bad, then they could have something to fall back on. They didn't like it. Uh, oh, he was sick. That was in his best shot. Well, uh, I am excited for this sermon. I've been excited about it for a couple of weeks. I've been looking at it for a couple of weeks, so can't have that excuse this morning. Because the, the, these couple of stories, we usually, it's in Luke 15. We'll be in Luke 15 today if you have your Bible with you. We'll have them up on the screen. But typically in Luke 15, we just skip the first two parables because the, the third one's so fun. The parable of the lost son, or maybe your Bible says the prodigal son. Um, we love that parable, and that's a, that's a great one. Uh, but there's a, there's a couple before it that I really connect with. Because I'm very scatterbrained. Now, you may not know this about me. A lot of people are surprised to find this out about me. I don't know if that was a laugh of irony. But I lose things, forget things. I, I can't tell you how many times I've driven to Walmart, walked inside, and remembered my wallet where it was at home. And that's coming back from Mineral Springs. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a frustrating trip. To have to, when Rachel's like, quick, go get, before we had the Dollar General, that was worse. Quick, go get this. Either you could go to the gas station and pay $80 for a gallon of milk, <laughs> or you could drive to, to Walmart. And I just make mistakes like that all the time. I've, I've been meaning to order one of those uh, little, they had these little square, they call them tiles, these little square things that you can attach to your keys or your wallet and then use your phone to find your keys in your wallet. If you can't find your phone, you hit a button and it'll make a noise on your um, phone. Uh, from, from You can make a noise on your phone from your keys and wallet. I'd lose all three. Like, and I keep forgetting to order it. Like, it's just not a... It's not a good thing, so like whenever, I know the feeling of just thinking, where is that thing? I have a screwdriver that I love that I haven't seen in two years. I got it after we moved here, so I didn't lose it in the move. I don't know where that thing is. It's a set. It's not just a screw, it's a box. Where'd the box go? So I know the feeling. When I stumble upon... That screwdriver, when I find my wallet, whenever we've got to go, it's always those worst times where you're, where everyone's, every, quick, everyone get in the car, we got to go, we're going to be late for school. <sighs> oh, no. And we've gotten to the point in our marriage that when it happens, I hate myself more than Rachel hates me which is a big place. But there's just something about seeking and finding, about these stories, and not just keys. No, everyone's lost their keys. Everyone's, but we, we hear these stories about 
Um, have you heard these stories about a cat gets lost and then they move and then the cat shows up where they move to? Or maybe it's, it's, actually, it's actually the opposite, right? You move and then the cat makes like the eight mile journey back to the original place um, because the cat is thinking, this was the kingdom I used to rule. But we, those long stories of, of, of finding someone you used to love, um, reconnecting with uh, an old friend, um, maybe, the, maybe there was a time you thought you lost your wedding ring and you found it. All of us can connect with it. Some of us do this more than others, but all of us have lost something and hope to find it. The first story Jesus tells is set up, or all three of these stories, is set up by a particular instance. Verse 1 of Luke 15 says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this is a statement, you mutter, you don't say this out loud. They muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. It was more like, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. That's how you mutter that. Can't believe this man. Now, okay, okay this, this, this statement is twofold. He welcomes sinners. So first off, he acknowledges their existence and welcomes them. Doesn't send them away. And then the second one uh, makes it worse. He eats with them. As Rob said in class, we're going to eat with sinners later in just a second. All of us together. But Jesus uh, sat with uh, tax collectors and sinners and ate with them. Now, in the uh, first century, it, it wasn't a whole lot different than it is now. Is that when you invite somebody over to your house or whenever you're invited to, over to somebody's house, and you eat with them, there is a connection that is made within that meal. It's understood that there's a friendship that I've invited you over. Now, you can say, well, I'm nice to sinners and what, real quick before you start saying stuff like that. Don't get all high and holy and start doing church speak on me and say, well, we're all sinners because then everyone's equal in the eyes of the Lord. You don't act like that, so quit talking like that. No one acts like that. In everyone's mind, there is sins that are, are a little worse and sins that are uh, uh, okay. Right? Now, I'm not condoning that. That's silly. And silly's the nice version of that. Stupid's the... That's not good, but it's just true. It's true for every one of you. Quit proclaiming that you're better than you are. Quit trying to speak that into existence. Actually, I think the best thing for us to do is to just recognize that there are some sins in our mind that are worse than the sins that we struggle with. That's just true. That's how you function. But once you recognize that, you can actually, at that point, start saying, okay, now that I know that I work that way, now notice you're not saying now that I know that that fact is true. 
Now that I know that I function that way, who then am I going to start being kind to? How do I flip that uh, hierarchy of sin and start serving those that I think are the worst? Then you can challenge yourself. But if you, if, if you feel that some sins are worse than others, and then you just gloss over it with this religious shellac of, well, we're all sinners and all equal... You're fooling yourself into not having to do anything. So, don't go there, because the Jews didn't. There were some people who were worse sinners to to them than others. The Pharisees and the the teachers of the law didn't sin in, in their minds as much as, or if at all, as these people who were probably, uh, they, they were thieves, they were prostitutes, they were, um, they, they were swindlers, they, they, um, they took advantage of people. They weren't good people. And you know that difference. And the fact that we gloss over that difference sometimes makes us real comfortable with the people Jesus was eating with. He was just eating with church gossips. And people who worry a lot. He was eating with those sinners. No, he was eating with the sinners that you don't like. The type of sinner you aren't. He was eating with the, with the people that the world had decided were sinners. And the Pharisees, just like most of us, said, why would he be eating with them? He, this man, welcomes sinners and, casts, and, and eats with them. Now notice, we can't read tone here, but they're not going, this man, welcome, he's not like happy about it. They're unhappy about this. This is a judgment statement. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep, which isn't a lot of sheep, but it is enough sheep um, that you can live and have a pretty decent sized business on in the first century. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? Now, okay, I've heard a lot of, uh, we're going to use this word a lot in this sermon series, uh, allegory. You know what an allegory is? Those of you who remember high school, uh, maybe even comp one in, uh, no, that's not comp one, that's comp two uh, in, in, in college. Uh, An allegory is basically a story in which every element of the story represents something else. It's just, it's loaded with connection. Parables are not allegories. The lost sheep wandering off, like you can't do a sermon about how, well, some of us are lost sheep and you have wandered off 
And why have you wandered off? Well, here are five reasons in a poem about why you've wandered off. We can't do that because that's not, that's not accurate to the text. It's not accurate to the teaching. Um, Jesus here is just saying, hey, you know how things are? <laughs> He's not connecting anything. He's just saying, you know how things usually are? Right? You lose a sheep, you go look for it. You know how that happens? It would be like if I, if I told a story about how um, at, at, at our Walmart it's much better because there's a, there's a clear entrance and a clear exit. But in, in Mejia, Texas, where we used to go to Walmart, we keep finding churches where we have to live in one town and go to Walmart in the other. But in Mejia, Texas, the, the doors were right by each other and you had to go... Just It'd be like the one in Arkadelphia. Oh my goodness. I'm a, Okay. Anyway, but people would go in always. They would go in the exit door and out the entrance like cretins. Like, and that... That would, for some, I'm a, it turns out my personality type likes rules. I like to, um, and, and it bothers me deeply when people don't abide by rules. Uh, and I even, can because the exit doors, when you're going in them, open more slowly than the entrance doors. They want to deter you. And sometimes people are on their phone, and I would watch people. And, no, I'm not proud of this. Hope that they would run into the door. So that confetti that I kept in my pocket for just such an occasion, yay, wouldn't be wasted. Like, those of you who are rule followers... Know what I'm getting at. Like the, the items in line. Or maybe you're real obnoxious and you just get, you're bothered by the whole ten items or less thing. Like it should be fewer. It's the number. It should be, the word should be fewer. Okay, two people got that joke. Thank you. Right? But you're, we, you're, you're with me. Like some of you aren't and that's fine. Because we're different, we're different types of people. But in their day, when Jesus says, so I can say, hey, don't you hate it when this happens? And everyone says, yes, oh yeah, I'm right there with you. Don't you hate it? Like, I would much rather you go slow than go slow and then fast and then slow and then fast and then slow and then fast. Like, I, we would much rather, like some of you, can, we can connect on things that just happen. And when I tell you those stories, you don't go, you know, by... Uh, by ten items or less, you're thinking about like tax code, aren't you? You're not. You're connecting that to like bigger substructures of things and bigger problems, aren't you? No, I'm just talking about a thing that happened. Jesus is just talking about a thing. Hey, you know, you know, you know, when you have sheep and you lose one, you go find it. It's as simple as that. And he says, and when he finds it. He joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home 
Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. These common things. Losing keys, losing coins, losing sheep. When you find them, you're happy. Because, I mean, this is as obvious as it gets, you wanted to find them. When you find them, you want to tell people, hey, I guarantee you when I find that screwdriver, I'm going to tell all of you. I'm going to work it into a sermon even if it doesn't fit. Which is a spiritual gift of mine. Jesus is just saying, look at this, look, you are these sinners, God wants them, God wants them. And sometimes we can get real mopey, like, like if you skip forward to the, the lost son, the, the oldest son, whenever the younger son comes home, is real upset. And it's like one of the 99 sheep crossing his arms and saying, he's never looked for me. Well, you never left. And also, don't be one of those 99, don't be one of those Christians who decides, you know what? I'm going to walk away and see if anyone comes and looks for me. You'd be a grown-up. Don't test God and God's church like that. We, what this message of this parable is clear. God gets excited about you. You're valuable to God. Uh, I try, as a good parent, to throw about one toy away a day. Um, I don't succeed, but if it's close to broken, I'm going to throw it away. We need, and I, maybe all of you can agree with this, we need less stuff. Um, and we have, um, it turns out, kids have birthday parties every year. And every year, grandparents and aunts and uncles, I'm sorry, we're in Arkansas, aunts and uncles, that was just funny to me apparently, I'm sticking with it, I'm not backing away from it, the, they, they bring stuff, stuff 
that makes noise and requires batteries and and stuff stuff like like a fifty piece set where they're just that doesn't have a good placeholder. We just get stuff. And when I, when I lose stuff that's not valuable, I sort of rejoice. Thank God that's gone. But my kids have these, these things. The, each of them has one little stuffed animal. That if there's a fire in our house, I'm saving those things before I grab the computer. Like, those things. And... We've lost, we lost one of those. Macy, Macy has a little Pooh Bear. Uh, and we almost lost that when we were going to Disneyland, irony. And, and when we found it, like, we, we almost cried. We cried. Like, we, like, that was heartbreaking to us and the the level of joy when we found when we went when because typically like you'll go to the hotel and you're like we think you made up the we, you made up a poo bear in um the uh the sheets and took it to the laundry room they was oh yeah we'll check on it and they never like they're just burning sheets back there <laughs> and then they found it like when we when we they the level of joy when something when you find something that's valuable to you, especially the thing that might not be valuable to other people, like the thing that has value to you just because it's yours. That's how you are with God. You know, you're not just like He's not picking you out because you're super talented. He's picking you out. He loves you because you're his. That, that's why God celebrates. And legitimate celebrates. Not Church of Christ celebrates. Like legitimately has a party. Like hoots and hollers. God's excited that you're back. And this is really hard for me to pull off as a preacher. It really is. I'm going to open up to you guys. If you haven't been to church in like three or four weeks, three or four months in a year, and I see you at Walmart, and I say, hey, how are you doing? I mean that. That's what I mean. But but I know, I know people are thinking, he's wondering why I'm not coming to church. I know you're thinking that, and I don't mean it. And so, like, I'm sort of intentionally thinking, like, well, like, I can't say, because I don't want to be like, oh, well, where have you been? Because I don't mean where have you been. I just, it's, there's, no, there's no good way I can approach it, because I don't mean it that way, and it's always going to come across that way. It always is. And I, I want, but I really, but also, here's the, the second part. I'm super excited to see you, and I would love for you to come back. But I don't want you to think that just because I'm only super excited to see you, but just because I want you to come back. It's, just, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a conundrum. 
That's why I walk through Walmart like this. <laughs> not, don't look at me. How are you? No awkward interactions. Ten items or fewer. And I, like, I, but I'm really excited to see you. Because what we're doing here matters. And it only matters because we're doing it here together. And when, when you say this, today is the day I'm setting my life back on track, and it turns out a lot of those days are some days. And it, a lot of times that's done when you come back and be with the community of faith. When you come back, we are um, struck with an, the same conundrum. Like you walk in the door, we can't be like, oh, it's so good to see you again. Like, oh yeah, well, thank you. I, I know I haven't been here in a while. Because you're feeling a little guilt. Don't feel guilty. Feel celebrated. When you come back to God, God's excited. He rejoices. Now here we, this, notice this is an allegory. God doesn't call his friends. But all of heaven rejoices over the one that comes home. All, all of heaven rejoices over the one who is found. But even more importantly than that, if you're lost, you're not lost on your own. God is looking for you. God is seeking you. Because he wants to celebrate your return. God wants to celebrate you coming back or you being found or you returning. God is excited to celebrate that with you. You're not going to get a rap on the knuckles or a, well, okay, well, now that you're back, let me sit there and feel guilty for a second. No, pick up the sheep, run home, have a party. Find the valuable thing, run home, have a party. Call all your friends. Listen, you may feel guilty for things you've done. Come back. Repent. And it's done. Don't wallow in it. God's not asking you to wallow in it. God's ready to celebrate your return. And don't, you don't need to be the party pooper who brings the guilt to the punch bowl. That's an excellent analogy. I don't care what you think. <laughs> I do care what you think. It's not about that. No, God, God you're, you're not going to be the one who ruins this celebration by thinking, but I was awful. Yeah, you were awful, but you came home. And we're excited. We skip forward to the prodigal son, and we always got to when we're here. Is the prodigal son runs up and says, God, Father, I have sinned against you. And the fa father almost like just picks him up and says, hey, you're home. Get a, get a big bull and kill it. Murder a bull. We're going to eat it. That's what he says. It's in the Greek. But 
he brings, he throws a party. The boy doesn't even get through his speech. Come forward, you're not going to get through your speech before God can start celebrating you. You're not going to get through your, you, you are going to be, you're going to be thinking about your guilt longer than God is. That's just a given. Not the the God God who created you values you more than you value yourself. He's excited for you more than you are excited for yourself. And he's waiting on your return. Waiting to celebrate. And he's not just waiting patiently. We refer to people who are looking for Jesus, seekers. That was the term back in the early 2000s. Seekers. They're seeking something. And I always thought, even in college, whenever this was the big term, I always thought, no, I, I think, specifically because of this parable, I think the best term for them is the salt. But that's an awful term. Like, it doesn't really flow off the tongue like seekers does. But more than anything, they're being sought. They're being sought after. They're being looked for. God's been looking for some of you. God's been chasing after some of you. God's hoping that us 99 can welcome you. Give God and us a reason to celebrate today. Come home. Return. Allow yourself to be found and to be celebrated by the God who loves you more than anything. It's worth it. It's hard. It's hard. But it's worth it. God loves you that much. We love you that much. Whatever you need this morning, if you need to give your life to Jesus, if you want to if if you want to start the celebration in heaven now by uniting your life with Jesus, into his death, burial, and resurrection through baptism, or you want to just give it over, you want to start it over, you've, you've been baptized, but you haven't taken it seriously, and you want to just say to the kingdom, to God, to the church, today's the new day, and I need you all to stand by me. Today's the day. Please come forward while we stand.